Hi, you're listening to Ready to Scale, the second season of That Really Happened. This season is focused on APS of real estate, asset, process, and strategy. Each guest on the show will reveal the assets they invest in and why they chose to do so. From multifamily to industrial, self-storage, mobile home parks, and more. Then, they'll uncover the processes, tools, and systems they've used to build multi-million dollar businesses. And finally, they'll uncover new, unique, and exciting strategies to invest in real estate. From co-working to buy and hold, fix and flips, co-living, and much, much more. Now let's get the show started. Hello, hello everyone. This is Ellie Perlman broadcasting from sunny California. And today we have another episode talking about the pandemic, COVID, real estate, and everything in between. So today on my podcast, I want to talk to you about which real estate assets are struggling right now. Obviously, not all real estates are equal. They're not all born equal. They're not all also struggling the same way and they're not all performing the same way. So I was sitting down today and I was actually realizing that there are five different real estate assets that are struggling while others seem to be doing okay. The first one is the obvious one. These are assets that are located in COVID hot zones. And I think it's pretty simple. You don't need to be an expert to understand that real estate in really, really bad HUD zones of COVID, this is where actually assets are not going to perform. So I'm talking about New York City and other markets in New Jersey, in Massachusetts, in California. And the reason is very simple because tenants are moving away to other states that have, you know, less exposure to COVID or they're staying in the same state, but they're moving to the suburbs where they have more space and it's not that crowded. So their exposure is more limited. And when I was looking at reports, because you know me, I like numbers and I like to read reports, and this is something that I, I enjoy actually doing. So I found a really interesting correlation between last year's performance and this year's performance when COVID started. So over the past 12 months, there's a really interesting report that I read that basically showed that in the past 12 months, the multifamily total return on average was around 5%. So 5% across the board, obviously you have assets in markets that you know, provided all the way to 13%, and which that's Phoenix, and you have all the way to 6, 5, and 1%. And there was an interesting correlation. So I was looking at New York, because right now New York is doing pretty bad when it comes to real estate. And so in the past 12 months, so the average return was 1.1%. And that was the market that was least performing when it comes to average return. And right now, obviously, real estate in New York City Everyone is struggling there when it comes to collecting rents, to making sure that there are payments, you know, not making sure that the cash flow is there. It's a real struggle. In LA, in the past 12 months, we were looking at 3.75%. In Boston, 5.61%. So there is a correlation between the areas that are struggling during COVID and basically the returns that they've seen in the past 12 months. So obviously, you want to stay away from assets that are in COVID HUD zones, and these are the assets that are not doing very well right now. The second type of asset classes that is not doing very well right now is Class C and D. 
So normally we have four main asset classes. Class A is the high-end, beautiful luxury apartment buildings with all the very, very nice amenities. It could be either, you know, new construction, newly built property, or could be maybe a property that is seven to 10 years old, but still looks great and very well maintained. On the other side of the spectrum, we have class D, and these are all the really, really old properties that have a lot of deferred maintenance. It takes a lot of work and money to keep it going and make it, you know, and maintain the property because it's very old. It could be properties that were built in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and usually you find them in very bad areas because normally people that make enough money, they choose not to live there and they have a choice. They have the money to live somewhere else that is a bit nicer. And then in between, you have class B and class C. So class B is slightly nicer than class B. It's newer. It could be properties in the 80s, 90s, 2000s. And class C are properties from the 60s, 70s, and maybe in the 80s. But it's a little bit older than class B. It's also not always in the right era, you know, in the market. And so most sponsors, most multifamily investors like to buy either class B or class C because they like to renovate the units and improve the exteriors and push rents. And that's basically how they make money. And we at Blue Lake, we focus at, on class B. Now, the type of asset classes that are actually doing worse right now are class C and D because tenants that live there, they normally, you know, they have low paying jobs or they work in the service industry, which also doesn't pay that much. And right now, Class B are the highest performers when it comes to rent collections. Then after that, you have Class A, and only then you have Class C. So obviously, because of the tenant base, it's pretty straightforward. You know, it's pretty easy to understand why it's harder to perform as a Class C in today's market because of the low income tenant base. So class C and class D, of course, they're both, you know, I think a lot of the properties that are struggling right now are C and D properties. Now, the third type of assets that are not doing very well right now are those who have hands-off sponsors. So sponsors and investors that are not really close to the operations, that don't put a lot of effort and emphasis into managing the assets. This is the crucial time and this is when you want to be even more hands-on. So in my nature, I'm a very hands-on person. And as a sponsor, I'm extremely hands-on. I mean, I can tell you that before COVID, because we're operating the properties from California, the properties are in Texas, Florida, and Georgia, we actually, not only I flew out there every two to three months to actually visit the properties, but we have weekly calls. And many times it was two, three times a week, you know, that we basically contacted the property management company, the third party company, and basically worked on asset management. We're overseeing their work and we're reviewing all the reports and the financials. So that's very hands-on. And since COVID started, it became almost a daily contact. So every day, sometimes more than once, we're speaking with them. We're reviewing all the reports. We're looking at the numbers. We're making sure you know, that the numbers are where we want them to be. And if we see that something that the property is not moving in the right direction, we're adjusting it on the spot. And if someone is hands off as a sponsor, 
it takes time for them to see a decline in cash flow. And by the time you realize that the decline is really significant, sometimes it's a little bit hard to fix the problem. So assets with hands-off sponsors are not doing very well right now. And the four type of assets that are not performing well today, that's basically assets that are located in downtown of large cities or in a very crowded submarket. So like New York City. What's happening is that basically tenants that are afraid of getting infected because of you know how crowded the market is, they're basically move out during COVID. They're moving you know, with their family or friends, many times with their family in other states, or they have more space where basically they're not sharing an elevator basically with 500 or 300 tenants, which, you know, just think about it. You go into the elevator, you press a button. There's probably 300 people that did the same thing today. You're exposing yourself. You're walking out of your apartment building and there's so many people outside that, you know, that I understand why that's such a big factor the fact that there's just not enough space, it's overly crowded. And that's why the assets in large cities and in very crowded submarkets, they're just moving away, the demand drop, and with it, the rents drop, and you know, vacancies increased, concessions, which is basically all the price cuts that you're offering, and all the moving specials to convince them to come and rent from you, that's also on the rise. So right now, these are also the type of assets that are not performing very well. Now, the fifth and last you know, type of real estate assets that are not performing well right now, that's basically buyers who overpaid. Well, close to three to five months ago, we were still living the dream. The market was strong. We had increasing demands to multifamily. We pushed rents. And that was... A very dangerous time, in my opinion, because the expectation of some investors' expectations were that this is going to continue. But it's been going on for over a decade of growth and expansion. And it was only made sense that one day that's going to end. But when you're basically looking at deals and when you're evaluating deals and running the numbers, when everything is good and you don't see any reason why it should stop, then the temptation is to overpay for assets because basically you say, okay, even though the average price per door is $120,000, I can pay $135,000 because I can still be profitable if I renovate 10 units every month, I charge $200 premiums, and because of the extra cash that I'm going to create, then I can make my seven, eight, nine percent cash on cash every year, which could be, that could happen. But right now it's definitely not happening. And so what happened is that the investors that overpaid, they have a pretty high debt to pay. So the debt payments are pretty high. And it means that if you're not making the cash flow that you thought you would be making, then what happens is that basically you're paying a very big chunk of your income to the lender. And what you've left with by the end of the month is not much. And so if you projected that you can get 9% cash on cash, and now you cannot renovate units or you, don't, you can't get the $200 premiums that you thought you would get, now it's 120, then all of a sudden 9% cash on cash can turn into 6% cash on cash because there's still a high debt payment that you have to pay. 
Now, I know what some of you are thinking, there's forbearance, you can, you know, click on the pause button and not pay the lender. But if you do that, then you can't really pay yourself or your investors, you can pay distributions. If you're not paying the lender, you're not paying your investors as well. So it's not that easy to use, you know, forbearance. And so that's kind of in a nutshell, the five types of real estate assets that are not basically doing well. Those who are in COVID HUD zones, class C and D properties, properties that have hands-off sponsors, those who are located in downtown of large cities or in a very crowded sub-markets, and deals that were bought when the buyers overpaid for the property. That's what I have for you today. That's it. Again, I'm Ellie Perlman. Be bold, be great, and keep moving forward. I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.